Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now. I am... Steve Kiliani. And I'm Dave Murray. I knew who I was much quicker than you knew who yeah. you were. You had to hesitate. I was pretty sure of who I was. I just wanted to make sure we were recording and we right. didn't have any technical that snafus. Would, that would usually be the prelude for a long-term care talk. You forgot who you were. Hey, <laughs> hopefully you already got that long-term care insurance. Yes, that's not what we're going to be talking that's about not today. today's topic. Uh, today we wanted to talk about fear. And Dave, you had this idea. I thought it was a great idea to talk about fear and some examples of things that we've heard from people when it comes to investing and the fears that they have. Yeah, I think we're and, we're in a an era of a, a period of time of fear. What's interesting about fear is it could but, be derived from different things. Mm-hmm. Fear in two thousand eight was hey, uh, last time I checked, the Dow is at sixty five hundred. And I'm fearful it's going to go down to zero and I will be broke. Right. <laughs> Forever. That is a fear that is t- very clear and understandable. And I think today's fear is a little more psyching yourself out. Well, but I mean, you were starting to say, or you were saying, you know, I think right now people are starting to show fear. I feel like they're always, you know, there's always reasons or there's always. You know, different things that people come up with to be fearful about. So, I mean, right now, the fear that we're hearing, and we'll go through some of these, you know, specific cases where we've talked to people, obviously not using any names or anything, but, uh, you know, there's always reasons to be fearful. You know, ever since 2008, I mean, I can just think of off the top of my head, you know, we're going through fiscal cliff. Remember when we were plummeting over the fiscal cliff, the government right. was going to default, and we had sequestration, and everybody right. said, oh, sequestration, that's going to kill the economy. And then quantitative easing, that was going on, and it ended. Right. But every one of those fears is an, is a, an, an event. Mm-hmm. It's negative. The connotations are easily to figure out why they're negative. Right. And it led to fear. Today's fear is purely, hey, the market's just too high. Yeah. And it's just going up. It's a good thing for almost everybody who does retirement planning has money invested at least partially in stocks mm-hmm. or mutual funds or ETFs that have stocks. Things are going well. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going say unprecedentedly well, but they're going well. And it's leading to, for a lot of people, a tremendous amount of fear. It's not quantitative easing. It's not sequestration. It's not the market plummeting. It's not North Korea lobbying a nuke somewhere. Yeah. It is good 
<laughs> that's leading to fear. You're right, and I think that's that's a good example. That leads us into the first person. So the first person, just so you know who we're talking <laughs> about here, as I've written these down here. You know, his right. fears are kind of precisely along the lines of, and this is somebody that we've been working with and, you know, starting to invest with, and his fears are kind of precisely along the lines of what you just, you know, vocalized there, which is, eh, there's nothing specific, it's just been going up for too long. It's, I don't want to be buying in, you know, this is somebody who's been sitting in cash for quite a while. I don't want to buy in at the top. And there is a lot of fear when when you've been sitting in cash, when you've been on the sidelines, you know, when you've missed the rally over however many years now. Oh, if I buy in, it's just going to be at the top. So I might as well just wait it out until things drop and then I'll buy in. Right. right. It, that is that's now exactly it. The, the problems with that are several fold, right? First of all, the problem is, um, I'm going to get this quote wrong because I don't have it in front of me, but Sir John Templeton, right, who was... Uh, no one's going to call you on this bluff. <laughs> you don't think everybody out there knows this? They're going to go, ah, misquoted. Uh, you know, he had some quote to the effect of, more fortunes have been lost by um, calling the top of the market and being wrong than the not, or I don't know, something to that effect. Okay. Basically... All these people who are saying, oh my gosh, it's going to crash, it's going to crash, and then it doesn't crash, right? So first of all, you could be calling this, and believe me, there were plenty of people calling it back in 2010, 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, Mm -hmm. keep calling it, and then it hasn't happened yet, right? So meanwhile, they're just sitting in cash, and they're just chugging along, doing nothing, The other problem with this is that remember what things feel like when you have a real correction, right? Does it feel A, good, B, bad? (laughs) You know, yeah. B, bad. All right. So, yeah, it feels terrible. And the natural instinct for most people, and frankly, I don't think for this guy that we're talking about, if everything, if all the news out there is, well, things are terrible, if the market's down 25%, He's not going to want to jump in. That's not going to be his mindset. Of course not, because it's going to keep going down, and then when it bottoms out, then I'll jump in. Right. But that's just... Same thing. You don't know. You can't make the call. My feeling of how to deal with that, my personal feeling, it's all my own psychology of how to deal with that fear is that stop investing for the short term, and the short term isn't a month, and the short term isn't a year, and the short term isn't five years, and the short term isn't... if you start to look at 10-year, 15-year, mm-hmm. and 20-year horizons, yep. if that's why you're in stocks <laughs> for the long haul, then it's very hard to statistically make the argument that I, I can't withstand a down, and then eventually it'll be higher than it is when I invest. Yeah, and this is... And, that, and that's... Not it, that's a way to deal with a fear by looking at statistics and numbers versus the what is the now we're in a very short term outlook and short term stocks are a long term play and long term is really long. Yeah, and I mean I think that's precisely what you need to do. It, you know I I always say this and I don't know if it resonates with people. I say mentally you've got to segment your assets right. 
And if you think about, well, this money that's in stocks, yeah, it's, sure, it's up, it's down. I don't really care because I'm not touching it for 10 years. Right? If you think about it in terms of that's 10 years out. Yeah, I'm a little worried that North Korea you know, lobbed this nuclear missile, but you know what? I think in a decade from now, it, it, it's going to be okay. Right? If you can think about it in those terms, now the only way that you can do that is by knowing that you've got shorter term income needs covered, you've got cash, you've got bonds, you've got income coming in. So, you know, that's easier said than done. But if you can do that versus thinking about your stocks and saying, well, I need that money come Christmas time, you know, who if knows you, what's going to happen. Another, there. If you don't do that, then you're just predicting. Right. And if you predict, you're usually bad at predicting and you're yeah. going to guess wrong. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now guessing is involved and guessing is bad. Well, and we should even preface this, you know, this particular guy that we're talking about, you know, he kind of came to us saying, listen, I'm really bad at predicting things, right? I've been predicting and I've been buying stocks. I've been doing this and that. And then now he wants to predict some more. So it's, it's hard to get out of that mindset. Right. And the closer you get to retirement and not working and bringing in income, the more emotional all this predicting and all this thought process is, right. obviously, with your money, which makes this even more difficult, which is why retirement planning and what we do, working with people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, yeah. <laughs> is really Critically difficult. Important. Very difficult emotionally, which is very understandable as you're not earning income. All right. Let's talk about this second person that we have here. He's a guy in his mid-50s. Right, right. Who is also very concerned about the market? Has been for for several years. He's not planning on retiring for another decade. You know, I think he's only fifty six. Um, but same sort of thing. A year ago, he shifted everything that he had into stable value. Right. So just something to protect. And this should say everything in his retirement account that that we're not managing into stable value because. He wanted to protect against any losses. Now he's sitting here a year later. The S&P 500 is up, you know, what, 18, 20% from a year ago. And, you know, he cost himself quite a bit of money by not being right. invested. Now you're stuck in this tough situation of, God, I, I wish I hadn't done this, but I did. Now what do I do? Do I... Do I reverse course and say, okay, I'm going to get back in the market and just hope it keeps going up? Or do I just stick to my guns and wait for that downturn? Because right? nobody wants to be that person who gave up and said, okay, no, it's not going down. And then it goes down. Right. And they feel really And terrible. again, the horizon for him for at least part of this money was – way down the road. Right, exactly. So not looking at the horizon. I'll throw someone under the bus, though, that we can, my brother, because <laughs> okay. I don't mind throwing him under the bus. <laughs> so basically, he, who's, I'm 55, and he's, I guess he's 51 now. So he basically was worried about 2008. Now, he was in a, a business at the time uh, involved with the uh, mortgage bankers so he was on in right in the midst of you know right the the real estate side of yeah, the so he saw it first uh, okay but he would not go in 
this is around 2000 because and i tried to explain to him you are in the time he was in his 40s yeah i'm like you're not retiring till 70 he could not buy into the time horizon he was too freaked out about what might happen it's interesting never call anyone who's emotional they're not smart or stupid usually the smartest people are the ones who are, I'll give my brother is very smart about all this stuff, and it, but sometimes that that intelligence clouds your picture. In wow. fact, every single person we're talking about is super smart. Yeah, they're very bright people. Unfortunately, sometimes being too bright is not good because then you can start to look at these things. My brother was said, "Oh, this Great Recession is nothing compared to the." mega recession that's coming now that was supposed to be coming in 2011 okay um and that's just a little delay too then, smart dude. i find that if well, you're too smart sometimes it's <laughs> not good for your money well that's the the, the last person no we're not wrote. saying that steve and i aren't smart because we are right <laughs> well I, I mean you have to be able to balance you know what you i know. mean you're you're able to dig too deep into everything, come up with a theory that might make sense, but you're still not looking at the big long-term well, this picture. Is, this is exactly the last person that I wrote down here, the last anonymous person here that we just met with a day or two ago. And I mean, this guy, super smart. I mean, he he knew all these financial equations. I mean, I was having flashbacks to you know my higher level finance classes in college. I was about to say when we were talking to him, because I'm not higher level finance <laughs> Um, but you are, well, and I was like, actually, when he was doing that, I was saying, "A, whoa, equations." <laughs> B, <laughs> I tune out. But B, more importantly, I was saying, I wonder if Steve understands this stuff. Mm-hmm. You did understand it. Well, yeah, I recognize it. You but I'm telling you, this it. has been 18 years since I've actually this was done anything with stuff. Yeah. So I mean, this guy, and I mean, he is plugged in. Understands, you know, well, inventory inventory reports come out, and housing starts, and you know, all this stuff, the effective interest rates and currency fluctuations. All I mean, just really knowledgeable on this, and just can't get over when he sees a data point or two that would suggest that things shouldn't be going up, and it's still going up. You know, how do you reconcile these things? And this is a, a real classic example of just too smart for, you know, too much in there to be able to see, okay, big picture, sure, maybe stocks are a little overvalued right now, but this is money that's for the longer term, you know, I don't need it that soon, you know. But he also came up with another fear, which I'm going to shift into that, okay, the same good. person. And that was, this was right around the time when... Uh, Amazon bought Whole Foods. Okay, yeah. And which is, when you're listening to this, this might be in the past, but it was fairly recent. To, <laughs> it's definitely so, in the past. It's in the past. It's not in the future. Now. It's in the past. But ultimately, and I was even saying to my wife, you know, it's interesting that Jeff Bezos has a hand in everything we do right now. So basically, I wake up and I read the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to Whole Foods. We have one right behind our office in Gaithersburg. I literally go to Whole Foods every single day because right. I don't do grocery shopping. I sort of each day I get something. And in the meantime, my wife's buying stuff on Amazon. They seem to deliver a package. Yeah. Every other day. So there's not a minute that goes by without having some interaction with Jeff Bezos. But this client was taking it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Amazon taking over everything, getting rid of jobs, ruining the economy, this, that, and the other thing, a snowball of emotion. Yeah. Now, again, you could say that what do I do? Crawl into a cave because Amazon owns everything? 
I look at it a different way. <laughs> you know what they used to say? I'll tell you a company that they used to say that about. I'm not going to say this company's not bankrupt. It's not like they used to say that about Kodak. That doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> but they certainly used to say about Microsoft. Right. And what happened? <laughs> Guess what? First of all, at some point, there's antitrust legislation that came into sure. play. But forces tend to make nothing take over everything right. forever in this world. Well, and I mean, he was also afraid. He was like, oh, they're, you know, they're automating everything and they're, they're getting rid of, you know, all this stuff, it, you know. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, okay. Automation, I understand that it could eliminate some jobs in the short term, but this is a big productivity gain in the long term. You know, there, there's this old uh, this old story. I'm going to get all these quotes and parables wrong, but it, it's basically about creating jobs during the Great Depression. And somebody, they had a bulldozer pushing dirt around. They said, oh, we can create lots of jobs, get rid of the bulldozer, and hire 10 guys to do it right. with shovels. Exactly. Right? Well, that's not efficient. That's not right. Well, that's so, exactly. Yeah. Technology has been going on since the beginning of man. Yeah. And it will continue to go on. Old jobs eliminated, new things created. Right. And, and life goes on. And if you don't believe in that, then the least concern you have is your money. Sure. Because the <laughs> yeah. entire world will come to a grinding halt. Right. And then if the world comes to a grinding halt, I'm not really so concerned about my portfolio anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's always the Armageddon scenario. Armageddon in any way, shape, or form is not something we're going to plan for. <sighs> no. So, all right, I think it was a good uh, dive into some real fears that we're, we're seeing people talk about and deal with. And, and you know, believe me, these fears are are things that they don't have to be extreme people voicing them. Oh, no. We have a lot of, I mean, every every client, I should say, voices fears to some extent, and it's just a matter of putting it in the right context and understanding that you've got a plan to deal with it, you know, as many different scenarios as, right. as and you I would reasonably also say can. For all clients who express their fears to their advisor, very smart thing to do. You yeah. don't hold back this stuff because it always will help you Move forward. It'll help give your advisor, whether it's us or someone else, the information they need, where you're really coming from. It is that kind of, you should be doing that. That's a good thing to express these fears, not to hold them in. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.